Almost half the people in the United States live in a county that touches a coastline. And every year, about a third of Americans spend at least some time on a boat. And many of them can't seem to get enough. In the landscape of traditional power sports, which includes boats, some categories, like motorcycles, have seen their fair share of struggles in recent years. Boat industry revenues have mostly been growing since the U.S. began to lift itself out of the wreckage of the financial crisis of 2008. Boats can be used for fishing, skiing, and socializing, and their appeal is widening. Boat customers are skewing younger and more diverse. The changes that boating manufacturers have made over the past few years has really changed the landscape and the demand level. Improvements in technology now allow boaters to easily navigate and dock the boat. Boat sales have seen a boost during COVID, which leads some to fear that demand will crater if and when life returns to normal. But some analysts think the growth is poised to continue, in part because of how boats are sold from one customer to another. To the extent that consumer confidence remains healthy, we think that the boat demand will remain so as well. Companies are also experimenting with membership programs and similar concepts. It is another way to lure customers, especially cash-strapped ones, without having to convince them to pay for something that costs as much as a new car. Typically, industry analysts break up recreational power boating into three categories. Saltwater fishing boats, such as those sold under the Boston Whaler and Grady White brands. As the name suggests, these boats are typically marketed for fishing and cruising in the ocean. Then there are recreational fiberglass boats, such as the Sea Ray brand. These are generally boats that will be used for a range of activities, including water skiing, fishing, or cruising. Fiberglass construction generally makes a boat more stable in the water and less likely to drift. Fiberglass boats can also be formed into many different shapes to either enhance performance or looks. Aluminum boats include both fishing and pontoon boats. Aluminum boats tend to be a lot cheaper than fiberglass and are also more resistant to damage. They're good for those who want to travel down rivers or through shallow waters where rocks or boulders might be a problem. Pontoon boats basically consist of two big aluminum pontoons with a deck thrown over them. These boats are intentionally simple and practical, meant for maximizing seating and storage space and offering a stable, comfortable ride. We have a boat business that basically ranks number three against all boat companies. And, you know, specifically in the pontoon segment, we are a clear number one. And that pontoon segment has been growing uh, at a very rapid pace. And we're also number one in, in deck boats with our Hurricane brand. Some of the major publicly traded companies in this area include manufacturers such as Mastercraft, Brunswick, Malibu, and Polaris, and retailers such as Marine Max and OneWater. Analysts often refer to boats as big-ticket discretionary items or something similar. This means they tend to cost a pretty big chunk of money and are not necessary purchases for most of the people who buy them. Boat buyers do tend to have relatively high incomes. That said, boating is not exclusively a pursuit for the rich. About 100 million Americans, almost a third of the U.S. population, go boating each year. A 2018 report from the U.S. Coast Guard showed that 52.3% of people who spent time on a boat that year had a household income of $75,000 or less. About 43% of boaters in that survey spent time on a boat that was owned by someone in their household, but another 41% opted for a rental. The remainder was nearly evenly split between those who either jointly owned a boat with someone else or those who chartered boats. A new aluminum boat package, which includes trailer, engine, and other accessories, costs on average about $36,000. 
A new personal watercraft, the types of things sold under brand names like Jet Ski, Sea-Doo, and Wave Runner, averages about $13,000. 93% of the boat products we sell are under $100,000. So, you know, it is people that love to fish for a living. These are anglers. These are people that get out on their boats with their family. The U.S. market bottomed out right after the financial crisis. In 2010, there were just shy of 178,000 boats sold in the U.S., totaling $27.3 billion. But since 2012, the industry has been in growth mode. Total boat sales hit 286,000 units in 2018, where they held relatively steady in 2019 despite some damage from poor weather during the late spring, early summer period. Then, as was the case in many other industries, recreational boating took some hits for about a six to eight week period in April and May of 2020, when stay-at-home measures and concerns over the COVID-19 virus disrupted production and kept buyers away from dealerships. The trouble was the surge in demand coupled with the production shutdowns really tightened inventory. All the inventory out there in the dealer channels got purchased by consumers and there's nothing out there. And so this demand surge has continued into 21 with people who couldn't get boats last year still trying to find them, dealers trying to catch up, manufacturers trying to catch up. So it's ended up being um, a, a big boon for the industry that should continue for a number of years. New boat sales then hit a 13-year high of 318,550 units in 2020. 1,048,500 used boats sold that year. Total retail expenditures reached a high of $49.4 billion. For the first time in more than a decade, the number of first-time boat buyers rose. About 100,000 people bought their first boat in 2020, about 30% of all buyers. A lot of these buyers went for smaller boats, typically less than 26 feet, that can be towed behind a vehicle and are versatile enough for very different types of activities. As the market is growing, it is undergoing some of the same changes seen elsewhere, both in terms of who is getting into boats and how they are doing it. So the typical boat buyer has definitely evolved over time. You're seeing the buyer become younger. They're becoming more female. You're seeing more minorities buy boats. So the typical boat buyer has definitely changed. Visits to Discover Boating, a consumer resource run by the National Marine Manufacturers Association, saw 90% growth year over year in the 18 to 24 segment and the largest user segment to the website is 25 to 34 years old. Visits to the site by women are up 41% year over year. Part of what has enabled this is changing technology. Boats are a lot more sophisticated than they were decades ago, and as a result, have become a lot easier to own. Boating has gotten easier. It's joystick controlled. It's it's same thing you get in cars, you know, automatic docking. Everything's connected to your phone, so you know the health of your boat. When you replace the battery, the gas level, you can start it up from somewhere else. And just technology's gotten so much better. This attracted younger generations into an industry that you know used to be thought of as more of a stodgy, retired kind of industry. There have also been some trends that have fueled interest in boating. One segment of boats that seems to be doing especially well is tow boats. Boats intended to be used specifically for water skiing, wakeboarding, wake surfing, and similar sports. Back in the day where you, you water skied, you had to control the ballast and have people switch to one side of the boat and we're kind of lean over. You know, that those days are gone. You push a button now and it changes everything to what the choices of, of the user in, in a heartbeat. Pontoon boats, large, hardy, and relatively simple, are especially liked by first-time buyers. 
Paths to boating have also smoothed. There are boat subscription services, such as Freedom Boat Club, the oldest and largest such service, which was acquired by manufacturer Brunswick in May of 2019. Customers sign up online, pay an initial down payment, which averages about $5,000, and monthly dues that average $300 to $400. This gives them access to a fleet of boats at a local club. Really as easy as you drive your friends or your family to the marina, you park your car, the boat is waiting for you, gassed, cleaned, ready. You get on the boat, you enjoy your day, you bring the boat back, you throw the keys to the harbor, to the, to the uh, dock uh, assistant, and you get in your car and you go home. The company is seeing record growth, adding 40 new locations in 2020 and nearly 10,000 new members, a 36% increase in memberships year over year. When we bought it, it had 170 locations, you know, under 20,000 members, and there were a couple thousand boats in the fleet. Uh, two years later, there is now over 310 locations, including international locations in Spain uh, and in England, and you know, 40 plus thousand members. The growth here is certainly outpacing the overall normal boating market. There's also a company called Boat Setter, a boater-to-boater -boater rental and charter marketplace, on track to more than double business in 2021. 50% of the company's renters are millennials and 43% are female. Even bullish investors and analysts highlight a few risks. One is the question of whether these companies can maintain or build on their success, especially after the recent spike in sales from COVID. Industry analysts do think that wide vaccine distribution and a desire among many consumers to return to normal life will at least slightly slow sales growth. This risk is a bit greater to dealers in part because strong recent demand means manufacturers still have the task of refilling dealer inventories to keep them busy in the short term. For a lot of the manufacturers, the OEMs, you know, Mastercraft, Malibu, Brunswick, you know, those companies just to get inventory in the channel back to where it needs to be to satisfy normal demand, they're looking at at least two to three years of manufacturing at full capacity. Analysts who follow the industry say these risks are probably pretty well understood by investors and priced into shares. The wider risks analysts consider are factors such as higher interest rates or changes to tax and economic policy. This especially includes hikes in corporate taxes and personal income and capital gains tax hikes on high earners who make up a considerable portion of boat owners. This is a highly discretionary big ticket purchase. And so, um, you know, when consumer confidence takes a hit, boat buying can be an easily deferrable purchase. And so um, you know, that's something we watch very, very closely, you know, with, with oil prices starting to move higher, um, with inflation moving higher, with commodity costs moving higher. Uh, that's something definitely, definitely worth watching. Brunswick has been trying to reposition its portfolio to protect against downturns. Models like Freedom Boat Club are one example. But the company is also leaning into things like parts and service to capture customers with boats who need to maintain them year in and year out. People still need to upkeep their product, and a lot of it's just a function of usage. It's oils and lubes and, and boat parts and systems that over time just wear down and need to be replaced. That business, even in a in an economic downturn, uh, we believe will will function much different than than a kind of a more cyclical part of, of of the economy. In fact, supply is a greater concern for the industry in the short term than demand. Boat makers have been affected by challenges in securing resins and plastics, for example. You as a boat manufacturer can build as many boats as you want, but if you can't get a steering wheel, that's a problem. 
where you can't get an engine, that's a problem. Where you can't get seats, that's a problem. However, companies say they are managing. We're dealing with the supply chain disruptions extremely well. We expect mm -hmm. to meet our production forecast for this year. And although, as you mentioned, labor is tight, we're being very creative in our various uh, areas to get the labor we need. So I think we're producing very efficiently and very effectively, and we're adding capacity to try and help uh, alleviate that, uh, that backlog issue. About 40% of Americans live in counties that butt the coast, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That includes oceanic shorelines, major estuaries like the Chesapeake Bay, and even large landlocked bodies of water like the Great Lakes. The trick is getting consumers to consider that a day on the water is within reach.